0: Hey, this is Dave Pryor, the host of Leading Agile Sound Notes. You're about to listen to my interview with Mike Kottmeyer on organizational base camps and the third layer. What we explore in this interview is the fact that you can have different levels of agility within your organization. You can have it at the team level, enterprise level, organizational level, and all those things are necessary, but they're not entirely sufficient to give you a true product driven sense of business agility across the organization. So in the interview, we explore that topic, dig into some of the trappings, some things to watch out for. It's a topic that Mike is currently exploring. So any feedback would be greatly appreciated. And I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thanks. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. I'm Dave Pryor. Mike Kottmeier here. And I would like to tell you something about one of the cool parts about my job. We block these things out. It takes a long time to get on Mike's schedule. I prep for them very diligently. I watch videos. I made six to ten pages of notes, which I then transcribe and organize and get all ready. And I get on the podcast and Mike says... I don't want to do that. Let's
1: talk about something else. So we're going to talk about like saving costs and stuff. I'm like, God, yeah, so 2020, man. And I was all ready I'll to make it sexy and topic.
0: exciting, but we have a better topic now, and this is going to be more fun. So we're exploring okay. something new. Mike has an idea, something new. He's sort of chasing down and this might be a little rough because we're exploring it. We're trying to figure yeah. out how we're going. Um, yeah. So before we do that, Mike, what have you been up to? These people haven't seen you since last year, at least not yeah. on this podcast.
1: Well, well, yeah, it's kind of been a minute, right? So, I mean, I think 2020 was was a was kind of a tough year for everybody. Um, you know, for us, it was it was particularly interesting because I guess the um, I guess in I guess everybody knows 2019, my wife got diagnosed with leukemia. Twenty uh, into 2019, I had bone marrow transplant. So we spent like the early part of 2020. Um, You know, her recovering from that and then COVID happens and we're locked down over the summer and, you know, all this uncertainty. We sent our last kid off to college and then, um, you know, we went down and we spent a little time in Florida um, over Thanksgiving. And then we had our all our kids in town over the holidays, Um, went to a little skiing over the holidays. And so yeah, it took a couple weeks off. Um, you know, December and early January is, is often a pretty good time in consulting to take a little bit of time off because everybody's slowed down. So
0: I'm, I'm glad she's better. I'm glad you got to spend that time traveling around with the family
1: too. That's pretty yeah, cool. Man, it's just all, it's just all cool. It's like it, almost like it never happened. Don't tell her that, right? So I think there'll be spars we're dealing with for a long time, but yeah. but yeah, like physically and everything, it's like, it's all going, like it's all going really good. So, good. um, you know, from a work perspective, uh Closed the year pretty strong last year. We have a we have a pretty great um, year ahead of us. We're doing a lot of really interesting things, and this is some of what we we'll talk about. Kind of in the, the product driven organization, product kind of space. Um, a lot of things with uh, really large scale enterprise class agility kinds of problems, uh, disability kinds of problems, and you know that's really what we're we're talking about going into twenty one. So that's the reason why I wanted to. Get elevated
0: conversation a little bit. Maybe talk about great. All right, cool. And we've got a new topic for today. A yep. Brand new topic. Yeah. Which I would like to to say and then see how you want to explain it. Okay. Uh, organizational base camps in the third layer.
1: Oh wow. Okay. That's that's
0: quite obtuse. We're gonna have to unpack that one a little bit. It's got less uh, acronyms than the other option.
1: Well, well, yeah, right. So. <laughs> So one of the things that's really interesting, and this is something, and like and like you said when we started off this, um, this this might be an interesting podcast because one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to shape an idea in my head, right? And and in the early days of writing blogs, I would write a ton of blog posts around things and and it wasn't it wasn't particularly hard to do because I was writing on version one's blog or I was writing on my own blog or something like that. And you could just really just explore. Um, it's really hard to kind of unpack new ideas now because it's like, you don't really have, it's like a safe space, right? It's almost like you don't really have a safe space to talk yeah. about things that are like noodling around in your head. Cause you know, you're this 150 person consulting company and people expect you to have your shit together and and, and you do, right. But the language around it, right. is, is, is tough to talk about sometimes. So So if anybody goes and pulls up any of, um, I guess we launched the Elevate Agile conference, I guess it was in 2018. And that was really the beginning of this line of thinking. And the line of thinking goes something like this. Um, Team level agility is necessary but not sufficient for enterprise agility. Okay. Okay. And, and kind of what that means is, and I think most of us probably get this at this point, like if you're going to do safe, safe is built around agile teams, right? So kind of a, like the underlying layer of safe is scrum teams. Okay. And then, so what safe kind of does is it puts a, it puts a, an enterprise class wrapper around it, right? Allows us to deal with Larger teams and dependencies between teams, and um, and issues of that magnitude.
0: Right? When Less you stuff, say when yeah. you say teams, you mean teams that can actually deliver. I'm thinking about like something Chet said one time, which was, "Why do you want to scale your inability to deliver every two weeks?"
1: Well, well, yeah, right. So, so which which is which is the which is the root of the problem, right? At the end of the day, is that is that most organizations. Um, can't form. This is this is old stuff, right? You can't yeah. form cross-functional teams. You can't get them a well-articulated backlog. They can't get to a, um, a working, tested increment of software at the end of every sprint. There's too many dependencies between different teams, right? Teams are organized around the wrong stuff, right? right? On and on and on, right? And so mm-hmm. and so, this they is just fix problem. that to scale. Well, they the can problem scale. is like this. Problem is like nested and recursive, right? Okay. So so like let's say you had an idealized world, right? Let's take from the idealized state right now. And you say I have across my ten thousand person organization, right? I have a thousand ten person teams. And every one of them meets the strict definition of a scrum team. Okay. T-shaped people, specializing generalists, a product owner, scrum master operating off of a clean, well-articulated backlog, able to produce a working tested, deployable, increment of software every sprint, right. um, uh, technical practices, you know, TDD, pair program, like whatever, right? Whatever you want to layer into it. Just okay. assume that, that that's perfect. Okay? Yep. Necessary, but not sufficient. Right? Necessary, but not okay. sufficient. Because the reason why, right, the reason why is thats that, is that Most products, right? Larger things that we offer to market, right? Products to be an overloaded word here pretty soon. Um, The things that we offer to market um, require more than one team to do, right? So there has to be some degree. There has to be some degree of coordination, orchestration across multiple teams to be able to produce an integrated deliverable. Okay. I'm not saying it's impossible not to design a system that that works where every team is truly independent. Right. But but often it's necessary to have some amount of coordination. Yeah. Right? So when you start to get into the space of enterprise agility, right, you start to get into issues of really um, how do I coordinate – Coordinate. Gosh. It's okay. Um, you can make up words. It's your podcast. Leave that in there. Leave that in there. Don't that coordinate. Coordinate. So um, we're going to coordinate, did it again. We're going to coordinate across <laughs> multiple teams so that um, we can create integrated deliverables. And then we're also going to subordinate that delivery to some sort of portfolio level decision making, right? right? So the ability to make economic trade-offs, requirements trade-offs, um, product trade-offs, project trade-offs um, in the face of scarce resources, right? So there's almost always some degree of portfolio management. So that's where a safe sweet spot is, is right? How am I going to coordinate multiple teams yeah. um, to deliver an integrated offer, um, yeah. subordinate to some sort of economic decision-making tool portfolio, right? Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. That's enterprise agility. Um, I think I've I've probably said this uh, in our conversations before, but I had an experience about a year and a half ago where, you know, I always kind of thought I talked a pretty good enterprise game, right? And so, you know, I'll build the argument from team level agility up to enterprise agility, and then... You, you know, you, you kind of drive home the integration with the business and all this kind of stuff. But, but I think in practice, right, what's happened is that so many people have experienced either poorly implemented team level Scrum or maybe even poorly implemented, say, for some sort of other right. agile framework. And, and uh, even though it wasn't the intent, almost always it's starting from IT or product development. Yeah. and and so the business has largely relegated that scrum and safe and less stuff to stuff that the teams do or stuff right. that the IT group does. that they get dragged right. into eventually. They get dragged into eventually maybe or maybe never at all, right? right? It just becomes the operating model or the system delivery for the for the way that we build software. Sure. Okay. And, and we put like, you know, we put words around it, right? We say that, well, the product owner is the representative of the business in practice. Are they really right? The control mechanisms, um, the control mechanisms around safe, maybe we have some business participation in the room, but is that really solving the problem that the business is trying to solve? Okay.
0: So, you're, so I just want to make sure I'm, I'm getting that part. Sure. So what you just, what I just heard was that our current perception of the product owner as being the voice of the business, maybe they're not really up to that. Well,
1: well, how many times, right? How many times, Dave, have you, have you um, talked to a team that says like, well, I don't really have a product owner. They have like a business (laughs) analyst.
0: Who's who was a hundred percent allocated before they became their business analyst.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. So, so again, right. I'm almost, so it's, it's like, it's really fascinating. So it's almost like you have to have the conversation and actually, I had this conversation with a prospective client the other day. It's like, you almost have to suspend disbelief for a minute that we can actually get there and do this right. Yeah. Okay. So, but the point that I'm trying to make is that if you look like, if you look at like a kind of an onion, right? Um, and right. A, lot, a lot of agile companies have, have drawn this, it's like team levels kind of like in the center. And then you have like enterprise around that. And then there's some level of like business agility. Right. And so when you're, when you're up at like the business agility level, I'm not talking about how do I adapt a single product to be able to um, change its backlog dynamically to meet the needs of the customer. What I'm talking about with business agility is how do I adapt a whole suite of products, a a whole product offering to dynamically meet the needs of a market or more fundamentally, how do I dynamically Adapt the business to be able to change dynamically to changing market conditions. So then the marker of
0: evidence of this thing being present is no longer, I have teams, I have 100 teams, we can do PI planning, but the products themselves have now become something that evolves organically based on the needs and the company turns with it.
1: Yeah, how do I pull? Products out. How do I put new products in? How do I pivot to different okay. offerings? Right, all those kinds yeah. of things. Right. Pandemic shuts down um, one product line, and I have to dynamically reallocate resources into a totally different offering. Right. Right. So, how do I get the business as an entity to be able to to be able to um, inspect? And adapt into different markets. Not how to okay. get product to be able to inspect and adapt to acquire more consumers or to generate more revenue or whatever, build better requirements. But how do I how do I do that um, across everything? Yeah. To be able to, to let the, the company adapt. Okay. And, and so and so candidly, like that's the that's the question that really people are asking. And so it manifests itself, right? You start to hear words like um, digital transformation, similar yeah. but different, different concept, but 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 it's in the same space, right? As how do I operate with more agility? Um, okay. So, so how do I like the idea of like um, business process rearchitecture or like a dynamic business process rearchitecture or you know, in the Agile community, we talk about just business agility. You start to hear things being talked about like um, product-driven organization, and um, that's mm-hmm. when it's coming up quite a bit. Um, you hear people talking about um, projects to products. Right? How do I stop funding projects and start funding products? Um, what is that transformation? look like and i mean you guys know i mean i mean dave we've been talking about this for years i mean i think 15 years ago we were talking about the idea of how to fund persistent product games right so projects so that product. okay
0: yeah that's the thing that i was i've been wanting yeah. to like find a way to dig in and ask is because there's a part of my brain that's seeing this as like you're in an area right now talking about something that is maybe still a little not totally figured out yet right yeah we called it meeting um,
1: over a reason. So. Yeah,
0: but 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 I'm thinking of it in terms of like the conversations over the past 15 20 years yeah. and the maturity of this field that we're in where you know, it was first it was like let's just get a team, let's get a yeah. company, let's yeah. deal with scaling. Now let's figure out what I mean, I remember 5 years ago having conversations like what does business agility actually mean? Yeah,
1: what does it even like, mean? Because right. it meant
0: something different to everybody. And now Woo. the thing I wait, here's the here's the question yeah. though. On the product side, yeah, as the conversation about a product driven organization has that been present this whole time, and the agile people are just like in the past couple of years finally started to like really lock in on it
1: well, so I would suggest like I mean I don't know right it it hit my radar about four or five years ago um, as a thing with like one of the clients that we were working with, and I knew there were people in market talking about pdos mm-hmm. but but for the most part, right it's one of those things where it's like it's um, it's like the same, it's like, it's like the same core concept, Yeah, but it's, but it's like repackaged a little bit. Right. It's, it's like refined. Big, yeah. Big, yeah. People, big, people see they, the wrong version. They tune it up. Well, well, so, so yeah, so there's like a, there's like a value prop and market that is being explored right now that basically says something like, um, you know, right now you have, you have, um, you know, funding increments going through some sort of governance model. Mm -hmm. These funding increments are called projects, right? And one of the things that we've been talking about for a long time is is organizing around value, complete cross-functional teams. How do you break up projects in such a way that you can feed them to persistent cross-functional teams, right? So we talk about like not forming teams around projects, yeah. Bring up projects to feed work to the teams, mm-hmm. right? And so, so what I think is happening, right? And again, I don't know if I, if this is the answer, but like what I think is happening is that is that the industry is starting to realize that in order for us to have the kind of business agility that we would like to have, what we need is we need persistent cross functional product teams. And we need to be able to um, feed those persistent cross-functional product teams with steady um, funding with allocation. So the people are stable, right. the funding's stable, and then we start to be able to get steady throughput yeah. of requirements introduced into those stable cross-functional product teams so that right we can get you know, steady throughput and market right around the yeah. things they're about the most. Right. But, yeah. but then you, but then, and so like for, for those of us that have been around for, for a minute here in the industry, you go like, well, like no duh. Right. I mean, that's what we've been talking about forever. Well, so, so but not in this way that not, not with this level of clarity though. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting clear on the problem. Right. We're getting clear yeah. on the problem. Right. But, but what's fascinating, right. So this is what's fascinating is that everybody goes, okay, so we're all into the PDO, the product-driven organization, mm-hmm. right? Basically an organization that's, that's organized around products. And we are moving from a project-based funding model to a product-based funding model. Cool, right? And again, right, I believe um, maybe, maybe in some form or fashion, maybe with not the level of clarity, that's the holy grail. I think there's a lot of us that would, would think that we've been talking about that for 15 or 20 years, right? And right if it explicit it was definitely implicit in the conversation
0: now do you think that when we get there cuz you I mean, what you're talking about is still kind of the tip of the spear because I, so. I would say the largest part of the business world is still trying to figure out how to get a team to work but the ones that have been invested in this that have put themselves into this yeah do you think that when they get there they're going to be like oh shit now we actually understand the question we were supposed to be answering the whole time
1: yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know if people are that conscious of stuff, but, right? But
0: the you the question you're chasing now, yeah. they didn't have that in the beginning. They couldn't see that far.
1: Yeah. You know, I think there will be some people that look back and go, ah, I got it. That's what that's what those guys in Snowbird meant 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever, right? right? Um, because to me, I think um, – uh, product-based funding over project-based funding and product-driven organizations. Like I'm telling you, man, you go back to the Scrum Guide. All of that is implicit in the Scrum Guide, right? That is the foundation. It's like what I talk about: teams, backlogs, working towards the software. Mm-hmm. Right? A team is a cross-functional group of people focused at a singular business problem, operating off of a clearly well-articulated and aligned backlog, able to produce something to market every two weeks. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that is a product driven organization in a nutshell. Right. It is. Um, so so what's happening, right, is that is is that is that as you know, again, like the industry's hunting and I'm going to be really candid ways to sell this right ways to get yeah. people. Interested, right? Big consultancies come in and they go, "Oh, PDO, oh, projects to products," right? It puts a new label on it. Gartner writes about it, and we do white papers right. on it, and we do webinars on it, and all these kinds of things, right? It's cool for me, right, because because it's stuff that we understand, and and I personally, I've always enjoyed when the people that work in our industry along with us competitors are not partners, what have you. Like, I love it when people go out and create markets for us. Right? I mean, I love that, you know, Dean oil <laughs> went out and created this market for safe. Right. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't see it as a competitive thing. Right. Because it's like the more people who understand the problem, yeah. then they decide, they can decide how to evaluate the possible solutions to it. Like, what does it mean? And so, and so I think what we're, what we're experiencing in market right now, and I'm going to see if I can tie back to some of my earlier points, but it's like, it's like, what I think we're experiencing market is a, is a repackaging of a problem that's been fairly well understood for about 20 years. Uh, Maybe not well understood by everybody, and maybe we understand it with greater clarity, but I think it's a repackaging of problem we've understood for a long time. But the question remains, right? um, How do you do it? Right. How do you yeah. do it? You know, one of the things that we're seeing, we're seeing in market with because, um, you know, often we're not the only consultancy in a uh, in a uh, particular engagement. And so sometimes there's there's larger consultancies that are doing more strategy work and some higher level stuff. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we're doing that work and sometimes we're, we're doing a subset of it, it just depends upon right. where we where we entered into the um, engagement. But what we're seeing a lot of times is is that a lot of these concepts are very straightforward if you're able to um, do things from scratch, right? If it's Greenfield, building a PDO and building a um, a product-driven funding model versus a project-driven funding model, like it's, it's all very straightforward if you're building it. Yeah, but that's okay? pretty rare. It, but, but it's pretty rare, especially with the, the companies that are interested in doing these transformations. And so, so what you see in practice quite a bit are we know how to... Um, take resources from one part of the organization, lay people off, take funding, take budget, like whatever, and go build something from scratch over here, right? Mm -hmm. And these kind of lighthouse type projects, right, get spun up where you create this special instance of this thing that works. But the reality is that 90%, 95% of the core business is still operating in the old model and now you've stripped it of its sufficient. Yeah, function. and this
0: thing works because Perfect. the other thing's the way it is. Yeah,
1: and you kind of broke the other thing to make yeah. this work, right? And and the reality is I need to bring this other piece along. Right? And 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 I mean, again, right, you work here, right? You know, we talk about this all the time, right? We are we are primarily a transformation company, right? We do a few other things, but we're primarily yeah. a transformation company. And so so the question I'm always asking myself is how do I Take the legacy organization from where it is and right. bring it along so it can operate in a PDO, P2P kind of ecosystem as well, right? I don't want to abandon it and let it die because I well, need it for my business.
0: Isn't, isn't there space maybe for an organization where that that thing that you took the wheels off of and put it up on blocks in the yard so you could have the other thing run that thing it's better when it's up on blocks in the yard like that's what it's the waste that we need in the system to keep the system flowing i mean
1: is is it possible that you could just let it i don't want to take its wheels off of it and and put it up on blocks and leave it there right because it can't go anywhere Doing that, right? So the, the trick is, is that is I don't actually, I don't totally disagree with the strategy of like if you have something that you have to bring to market really quick, yeah. right? The gate. I mean, go build a piece of the organization that is going to operate in a pure play way. Like I'm totally supportive of that, right? Create greenfield teams, understand the principles associated with with how they operate, and um, get the parts help. from wherever you need to to do it. Well, well, maybe, maybe, okay. but if you, but if you cripple the rest of the organization's ability to produce because you did that,
0: yeah,
1: right, then you don't serve the organization as a whole, right? And so, and so, that's a okay. big,
0: yeah, okay. I I'm with you.
1: What we're competing against in market is this promise of like, oh, I'm going to go build a PDO for you. I'm going to go build. Um, I'm going to go do this projects to products things. I'm going to build this kind of lighthouse ecosystem that operates um, uh, as a as, as a beacon right to everybody else in the organization to see how it's supposed to work yeah but but all of the organizational structure design technology infrastructure legacy code right all the different things associated with the old organization often represents the lion's share of the existing revenue right right you 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 injure its ability to produce. Yes. Right. So the question you have to ask yourself is, if I want to be a product driven organization and if I want to operate um, in a project funding, excuse me, product funding based governance model. Right. I've moved from a right. project based funding governance model to a product based funding governance model. Right. How do I orchestrate that transformation? Mm-hmm. Jack. That's the core problem, right? That's the core. And there's channel. a
0: lot of faith and trust there that that is the place to go. I mean, that's the like everyone's talking about product driven organization. There is a, a seems to me to be a across the board understanding like that's the next that place we have to be. Sure, it's and they're for, right for a lot. Right? Of, well, yeah, but it's but they're taking it on faith until they get there, just the same way they were with Agile.
1: Well, well, so sure, right? Because, I mean, but that's the way the market works, right? It's like Gartner writes up stuff. This is what CIOs are talking about. Everybody wants to be kind of, um, you know, the cool kids kind of doing the cool stuff. And, you know, so they go down this path. But I think, again, right, and I think in practice is that we, um, we, we steal from Peter, pay Paul kind of a thing. Yeah. And we go create this, this this beacon lighthouse kind of a thing over here on the side. And basically, leave the rest of the organization underperforming to die.
0: Oh, and we, uh, yeah, we have so to bring them with it. We have to find a way to get them caught up to where it. we are.
1: So, so yeah. Got it, right? So this gets into the transformation story, and right, and this is the, some of the stuff where I get into this necessary but not sufficient, thing, right? So here's here's the challenge, right? This is what we're trying to figure out how to talk about a little bit because people have been. Um, you know, through the ringer with, with the Agile stuff, right? And maybe this is a little bit of the beginning of the end of not wanting to talk about Agile. I don't know, right? I, I still see a lot of interest in people believing that they can get there, right? So that's actually encouraging, especially for a company named Leading Agile, um, <laughs> that it's not a totally complicated um, concept and market, right? But but the question becomes is is how do you move an existing organization into a PDF, right? And there was actually kind of an interesting question. I'm going to see, right? So as, as a longtime scrum guy, Dave, right, yeah. um, I'm going to ask you, um, this is this is an interesting insight I had. And I probably first had this insight like 10 years ago. Um, I was out and I think, oh, actually, do you remember when you gave me that? Um, you actually asked those folks out at Ordev to call me mm-hmm. and, Way before we worked together, and I went over yeah. and you speaking slot, and I went over and spoke at ordef over there. That was actually a really fun trip. Took Kimmy with me, and we ate a bunch it's, of. It is the coolest conference of yeah, all the
0: conferences. It was there. neat, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like especially Swiss the speakers, I took us to these really cool places for dinner. I I avoided jump. like guy they wanted us to jump. I, I've that, that
0: is menu. actually okay. super yeah. amazing, and if you ever get to go again, you have to do it.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So me and, me and, me and being submerged in ice don't, um, don't necessarily (laughs) agree. But there was, there was a guy from Nokia that was um, speaking and it was the first, it was the first like moment of this where I actually, actually had like insight into when people talk about organizing around products, Mm -hmm. they don't mean organize around a cell phone per se. Right. I mean, maybe, Right. But you don't have a complete cross-functional team of six or eight people that are building a cell phone. Right. Right. You have hundreds of people that are building cell phones. Right. Right. And so and so basically what happens in like a PDO is that a lot of times you have to rethink what a product is. Right. And a product can oftentimes be like an encapsulated service yeah. or a subset of features. Right. Sometimes it can be a whole product. I get this
0: question a lot. Like, what is a product? What's the definition? I just had it last week in class. What's the definition of a product? Yeah, I got it from
1: a product owner at a company. Well, but but I think that's reasonable, right? Because um, as a consumer, how you experience the word product is is my iPhone is a product. Okay. Okay. But but I would suggest that within again I I always I always get scared going down these these slopes here. Um, what I get scared about is like um like but the but like iMessages is a product. Yeah. Right. The That's service the service the phone provides is a product yeah. that you can talk you, to other people. You with. could make the case that the front end's a product and the back end's a product. Mm-hmm. Right, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways of. I mean, the glass that it's made with is a product. All the pieces of it. Are there you go, Right. Yeah. So there's yeah. lots of things that are in a product in, in an iPhone, right, or in any other kind of smartphone. And so, and so, when you're talking about um, a a product driven organization, what you're talking about is in effect looking at the business architecture of the organization the products that it provides the value that it provides in market right. and organizing around that business architecture okay, okay. yeah so, so is this oh go ahead. You okay. Go ahead. okay so so what ends up happening is that we have tons of complete cross functional teams that are organized around all of these products mhm all of the products could, could, um, could drive their, um, you know, features or sure. requirements, whatever independently, but yeah. more often than not, they require some level of orchestration or control or dependency management between them or something like that. Right. And okay. so, so a PDO isn't just, I want to go organize around some gigantic class of problem. Right. Right you could, you could probably do that. Right. But, but it's basically like, how do I nest teams? Right. It's like products all the way down. Right. You got a big product that's made up of smaller products. It's made up of smaller products. It's made up of smaller products all the way until you get down to kind of services teams or component teams that have dedicated teams.
0: Or, or is it, I have two questions about this. Yeah. And I'm stuck on both of them. I'm wondering, and they're both aiming at the same thing. Part of me is wondering if what you're actually organizing around is not a product, but the ability, the, the, the whatever, the, the ability the organization has to create and support products. At least, so it's like a little more meta than like, not the phone, but we can build stuff. Or is it a question of, this is ju- us just trying to still get better at answering what is the right thing to build?
1: Well, yeah, okay. okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Right. But but it's like at some point you have to give that organization direction on what to go do. What do they go do? Right. Right. What do they specifically organize around? Where do they specifically get their backlog from? What what piece of working tested software or working tested product are they responsible and accountable for delivering? Okay. What but take? if they're
0: if they're really mature and they can pivot like it, the pandemic's a great example right businesses are organized around creating products, selling products some of them we can't use anymore some of them we need totally different stuff so they yeah. have to completely reorganize what they're doing. but if they're still really strong at this whole idea of we know how to define the product, create the product, market the product, all the stuff like it doesn't matter whether we're building guitars, toothpicks or straws so but where's
1: the capacity to go build the product? So let's say you have a situation where you just have people. Yeah. Right? And and let's say the same people are responsible for doing work on three different products. Okay. And you want to go pivot and market on one of them. Well, you can't because so, they're spread across three products, right? across three products, right? There you go, yeah. right? So they're screwed. Okay. Okay. So, so,
0: so we have product teams, but then they could switch.
1: Okay. I mean, w- why not? Well, so, well, so, right. So, sure. Right. But, but, you know, from working with scrum teams that the problems that most organizations have with complete cross-functional dedicated teams that don't right. have dependencies between them. Yeah. Right. So, so, which kind of gets to my point, right? So, so yeah. it's kind of funny. you go up, you go down, we go up, we I'm go seeing down now. Yeah, we get yeah. to the. We get to the focus, right? So if I don't have complete cross-functional dedicated teams that are pointed at some very specific piece of the business architecture that are responsible. In a
0: completely decoupled environment where I can change
1: something all by itself. Right? How do I pivot the business to go focus on something else when that capacity is spread across a bunch of different things? Got it. Okay. So, so that's the thing. So, so what we're exploring, right? Just for for our listeners, and hopefully some folks are still trying to follow this crazy line <laughs> of thought that we're we're going down, right? So, I feel like we're in a Rogan podcast or something where where like you have like uh, Eric Weinstein or something trying to explain. Um, you know, some really complex thing. And, you know, Rogan's off like asking questions or like take them down. these funny rabbit holes and things like that. Um, So it's like, it's a really fascinating, it's a fascinating thing. Right. So, so that gets to the, that gets to the problem that we're trying to solve and we're trying to talk about, right. Is, 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 is I'm trying to figure out a way and having some success at it. um, It's not totally, it's not totally lost um, how to do this, but, but the challenge that you have is, In order to achieve some of these bigger, broader business agility kinds of things, right? Right. Ability to respond to new markets, to pivot into different product lines, to peel off capacity, to go solve emerging things in market in real time, um, the ability to dynamically allocate portfolios, right? All this kind of stuff in the face of extreme uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, that's really what business agility is at the end of the day. Well, what I have to have is I have to have, um, you know, enterprise agility. I have to have departmental agility. I have to have team level agility. I have to have right. visual agility. Right. So it's agility all the way down. And so, and so, if you think about that, right? If you think about that, it's like if I were going to architect a um, a PDO or yeah. a product um, a product funded. Organization, right? I'm no longer projects on products, right? So, P2P kind of a world, right? So, what I would do if I were building it from scratch, I would create complete cross functional teams organized around value props. Yeah. I would organize those value props into even bigger value props and add of product management around that. And then maybe there's certain classes of value props that get aggregated into even bigger value props, right? And I'd create this ecosystem of funding. Where every, every entity, nested or otherwise, was operating independent of everything else at its own level. Yeah. And, and I would put money in it and expect certain kinds of outcomes to happen on the backside. Right? Okay. And so, so that's like the idealized end state that we're going for. But now here's my problem. right? And then it, I have a question after your problem. Go ahead. Yeah. So so here's the problem that you're trying to hunt, right? So when you're talking to people about this, or you're, you know, you're doing a talk at an agile conference, or you're doing a webinar, you're doing whatever, right? It's like, it's like you, you have to explain the need for team level agility while you're keeping the focus up here at enterprise and business level agility. Yeah. Right. And so that's where, like, sometimes, like, you know, I'll get into, like, I'll start telling people, like, just suspend disbelief for just a minute or or be patient. I'm going to talk about team level, enterprise, business, how it all fits together. Right. So there's like a there's like an interesting way that you have to package it. But but maybe for the people that are listening to this, maybe what I'm just trying to do is just trying to help people understand the problem, because when we're in an organization and we're focused on a team, right, we think team level agility necessarily Gets enterprise agility, and the reality is, is that they're different. They're different things. They provide different capabilities. I need team level agility to be able to, to be able to inspect and adapt, like at the work service level. Right. I need work group and enterprise level agility so that my entire system of delivery across the product organization can deliver with that same level of agility. But okay. then on top of that, I have to teach the business how to exploit that agility, how to, how to exploit yeah. that capacity yeah. for, for change, right? Okay. Because it gets into like, if my funding models, right? If my governance structure is all around agile planning and, or excuse me, um, like, like waterfall level governance, non-agile planning, we're doing big batches. We don't know how to inspect and adapt and market. We don't know how to manage customer expectations for quarterly releases over um, biannual releases or whatever, right? Yeah. And then I then I, I fail to exploit the team level and the enterprise agility. So here's the chicken and the egg problem. It's like, I've got to build sufficient team level agility and enterprise level agility, right? So I got to get that part working yeah. at a level where I can go convince the business and teach the business how to exploit that capacity, That that capacity for change, that capacity. Right adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like a lot of times what we do is that we say, okay, business needs to be involved. We go run a couple of small things and it's just like, and it's just team level stuff with some business involvement or it's just enterprise level stuff with some business involvement. But like, how do I change the business's fundamental operating model and get it really thinking about how to exploit an agile delivery capacity until Mm -hmm. I have the delivery capacity at such sufficient mass that it can flip over some of how it's governing and auditing and controlling and setting expectations in market or maybe with yeah. Wall Street or whatever, right? So so to to your point earlier, and I, I think I'm pulling it back up to the beginning of the talk and then we'll see where it goes, right? Then so, I'm going to wreck it. That's probably true. That's <laughs> all good, right? That's what we're doing here, right? We're, we're exercising the language, right? And so, so, so we've been talking internally about this idea of enterprise base camps and yeah. And so one of the things that I think we did a couple of years ago that was fairly innovative is we introduced this idea of base camps, which are these intermediate states in a transformation. So we said base camp one, get predictable. Base camp two, reduce batch size. Base camp three, break dependencies. Base camp four, um, uh, team-based funding. Base camp five, invest to learn, right? So we have this yeah. base camp progression. And then we would take expeditions with our clients through these There's different steps, programs, Right. Super, I say straightforward, not easy, but straightforward to basically um, orchestrate a transformation and to lead iterative and incremental change across the enterprise. It was great. Yeah. And then clients would come to us and go, okay, now how do we change our, our governance? Right? How do we change like our macro level, like how we fund things? Yeah. Right? And, and what, what we kind of learned through the process is that those funding models in large organizations can't fundamentally change. Until enough of the organization can operate this way, that it makes sense because you have to flip a switch. Got it. some degree, right? And so this so we've been kind of talking about this idea of like um, enterprise-based camps. I've Dennis Stevens um, doing some work around this, and that whole team that he's working with are really thinking through. So what is the progression at the business level, the enterprise level for how you get? So how do you start? um, How do you start tweaking? corporate governance and HR policy and all these big, big topics in a right. Fortune 10, Fortune 100 company, like after you've got enough of the organization at critical mass. And how do you sense the tipping point when you can throw the switch? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because, I mean, you're engaging C-level executives. These are all brand new concepts to everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's an interesting thing, and so we're doing some really neat work around it. And I and I don't have any doubt um, of the ability to solve the problem, but you can just even tell, like even in the you know forty five minutes we've been talking about this here, right? Unpacking this and helping people understand like what's necessary, because the big consultancies they want to talk about the top of the problem, right? Small consultancies want to talk about the bottom of the problem. Right. And, and the reality is, is that it's an integrated problem and in order to solve this top stuff, you got to get all the bottom stuff and all the stuff in between. Right. And right. I, yes. hard to tell.
0: Yeah. I think like for me, what's happening as we talk through it, some of it I saw before, some of it didn't click in until we had this conversation, but what I'm finding ha- is happening in my brain is I keep trying to map it back to other things. When you were talking about developing the ability to you know for the for the company to be able to be more productized. I kept thinking about Ford during World War II. they developed the ability to switch from making cars to making planes and if you could operate operationalize that and say, okay, we're no longer just a car company. we're a build whatever the hell you need company yeah and yeah. then they can do whatever but then how do you sell to somebody like give us
1: your whatever like, well, well, so it's a so, whole different thing so, 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 so what I think you know it's a little bit like back in the days. It's a little bit back in the days when I was kind of um, in the early days with Check Free doing enterprise agility stuff, right? Before SAFE even existed. And we were pulling David Anderson's work and Schwaber's work and Poppendick's work. And, you know, we had, you know, the RUP stuff that was out there. I'm thinking of the book by like Bittner and Spence. And there's a bunch of like the, the Three Amigos guys, right? All this stuff, right? Philippe, Cruchin, and all those guys, right? So we were we were stitching together a lot of stuff to create um, what was at the time a a fairly robust kind of lean program portfolio governance framework, right? So we built that uh, and it it was really cool. And, but the reality is, is at the end of the day, if you want to drop everything and go do something else, a lot of organizations can do that, right? So if Mm -hmm. it's a war and you need to stop making cars and go make planes, like, sure, you can do that. I'm not saying that smart people can't drop everything they're doing and go do something else, but most organizations don't want to drop what they're doing and and go do something else, right? They want the ability to incrementally respond to changing conditions. They want to be able to run experiments. They want to be able to try things. They want to be able to keep their cash cash cow going while they go and respond to other things in market. Yeah. Right. And and so and so my observation is that the more you have encapsulated product focused teams at every level, right? Then you can peel those teams out and you can go focus them on a different problem, or you can um, you can focus them on a different aspect of the current problem or a different flavor of the current problem right you have the ability you have the ability to operate with agility mm-hmm. when you don 't have dependencies between things right and everything's not totally architecturally coupled yeah. organizationally right so it 's really like really what we 're exploring is that is it to achieve these macro level um, business agility, to solve these macro level of business agility kinds of problems, it requires an agile operating model, an agile structure, an agile governance, agile metrics and controls, every level down the organization, right? Every every piece of the organization needs to respond similarly to, to changes of direction. Every organization needs to have minimal dependencies between it. Right. Right? And again, right, the nut of my problem is, is when you have an organization or a, a, a world that is somewhat burned out by the discussion yeah. of agile and the misapplication of agile, like how do you go and tell them, "Oh, these big agile things that you thought was a different class of problem is really just another layer on the existing problem that you haven't been able to solve so far. Yeah right? that's, just, just, that's like the interesting thing.
0: I was just thinking when you were saying it that with the fatigue thing that it's sort of like a lot of people's practice of agile in the transformation is sort of like those folks who walk around with their mask around their chin, like they put on the mask with the best of intentions, but it's a pain in the ass. So I'm just going to move it down for a second.
1: You know, at the at the risk of at the risk of becoming political uh, or anything <laughs> like this, right? So. So, like, the, the way I kind of hunt that is I go, like, regardless of, like, how you feel about masks or if it's political or not political, scientific or not scientific or whatever, right? If you're going to wear a mask, like, just wear it properly,
0: right? Wear it properly, Your
1: chin does not need to be protected, right? right? Because because basically what you're signaling to me is I'm willing to do the bare minimum to enter this property, and I'm going to try to get away with everything, no matter what it costs anybody else. Right. There was a lady, there was a lady, Kimmy and I went to, um, I don't know how people feel about this stuff, but it's like Kimmy and I went to Disney, um, right after the holidays right. uh, for a couple of days, we had to get out of our house. We're having some renovations down in our house. So we went to Florida and went to Disney for a couple of days. And there's this lady that was like, just refused to put on a mask and was like arguing with folks and everything. And I'm like, man, at the point you decide to go to Disney and at the point that you've- You approved, know
0: you're going to have to wear one.
1: Just like, like, you know, to me, Disney World's not the place for civil disobedience, right? If you mm-hmm. want to be civilly disobedient, like go in the courthouse, right? Go fight well, it Well, if
0: you're going to go car- to a place that requires it, you should comply yeah. with the requirements.
1: Well, that's kind of what I'm at. So it's, for me, it's a little more of a property rights thing because like I'm very empathetic to these companies that are trying to stay in business and do yeah. it in a safe way um, during what's really an unprecedented time. So it's, like, regardless of, like, whether the, you feel they're, you know, efficacious or not or whatever, it's, like, come on, man. Just, like, just don't, just don't be an ass to the rest of us. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's all good, right? I hope I didn't make any enemies with that last comment. But basically uh, – you You're in a pretty safe space. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's, a, it's almost like a property rights thing. It's, like, hope yeah. like, these guys stay in business. It's a tough time. So, yeah. So, So, yeah, right? So I guess drawing the actual analogy or parallel that you wanted to draw – Right. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're, you know, yeah. So, I mean, it's this classic problem. It's a classic problem. We saw there's a lot of people going through the motions of agile without actually getting the business benefit of it. Yeah. And, um, and so, and that's created a lot of um, uneasiness and market. So, you know, I guess, you know, maybe to put a little bit of a bow on this for us and to get us to a place, cause I know you had a final question for me. Um <clears throat> You know, one of the things you're going to see me do—I don't know exactly what the what the um, the conduit of it's going to be. I'm sure it's going to be some recorded material, some podcasts, some some webinars, and live streams, and things like that. Maybe I'll figure out um, how to get back in the habit of writing again. But but trying to in a um, in a meaningful way help people understand um, these big giant business agility topics that are um, that are going on out there. But really helping folks understand that um, you really can't have business agility without organizational agility, without enterprise agility, without department agility, without team level agility, because, because that the DNA of an agile organization, the DNA of, of an enterprise that can operate with these characteristics, right, right it's got to go all the way down to the core or you're going to be limited in your agility, because if at some point it stops being agile underneath, yeah. then, then that's going to get in your way of being able to achieve the business goals that you wanna achieve, right? So it's agile it, all the
0: way down, right? And you're gonna have to keep working on tuning that even after you think you've gotten there. It's not like you can stop.
1: Well, yeah, so that's a whole, that's a whole conversation for a different day. One of the things that we're, we're talking about a little bit right now, because um, we're having to solve this problem with some of our clients is the idea of, um, The idea of like systems of continuous improvement, Mm -hmm. because if you look at Scrum, right, what's the system of continuous improvement in Scrum? Right, it's really retrospective. Retrospective. It assumes the team is persistent. It assumes that the business problem is persistent, or at least that the backlog is being managed by the product owner, and you do retrospectives, right? So you know, enterprise agility has kind of like uh, you know, Safe has some sort of you know, retrospective at the team level, some sort of review at the end of a PI or whatever. Right, um, you know, there's a there's a need at um, uh, the business level um, to, and, and it's a lot of different things, right? Some of it's communities of practice, some of it's just regular agile retrospective kinds of things, um, but some of it is like, how do you continuously monitor your business architecture to make sure that it is um, performing at this, the level that it needs to perform. Mm-hmm you be have resources allocated to the right strategic initiatives or that we're, um, we're pivoting business capabilities when market needs change. right yeah. Who's looking at the system as, as a whole right to do that? So we've been kind of classing that as a problem um, within this thing we call system of continuous improvement, which is basically like how do you put in how do you put in the right cadences organizationally? to make sure that your organization is performing well and positioned to meet the needs of its customers.
0: I think that would be a really cool thing to do a podcast on. Cause I mean, I've already got a bunch of questions
1: about that. Yeah. Cool. Let's, let's talk about it. So you had a final question for me. What did you want? I think yeah. it might not be exactly in line with what we've been talking about, but let's. let's. Well,
0: it's sort of, maybe, maybe partly. So I did a, a webinar yesterday for yeah. a, a PMO at a big company and, yeah. At the end of the conversation, they were explaining that their PMO is fairly separated from the other parts of the company. So they're not always deeply involved in what's going on. And they have to kind of like pitch to the rest of the company, like include us. Yeah. Right? We know lots of good stuff. Let us help you. Let us help you get things done better. And the thing is, the other parts of the company, they're getting it done, you know, in their own way. And for me to walk in and say, like, you should include me, I'll make it better. Like, well, it's not that bad right now. Yeah, but I'll make sure it doesn't get bad. Um, yeah. So what I said to them was, like, if you're really good at this, people will wonder what you do. It's almost like disaster recovery. It doesn't matter until stuff catches on fire, but you don't want to be starting the fires. You, you have to find a way to convince them we can make things more solid, you know, work better, function in some more efficient way, and we won't get in the way of it. But how do you pitch that if you're a PMO that's...
1: Well, well so, well, so here's an, here, this is an interesting thing with PMOs, right? So you have to like really unpack what, it, what a PMO is doing, right? Is a, is, a, is a PMO a governance body that basically sets the control rules and the audit requirements and the documentation requirements and things like that, that, um, that an organization has to abide by? That tends to be one classic right. PMO kind of example. And then the other PMO is where they actually, that's where all the project managers live. And they—and uh, then they not only have usually the governance role, but they also have the, you know, okay, I'm actually going to give you Deliver. human resources, right? And they have some, they have some yeah. amount of accountability for, for delivery of the product, right? Right. Here's the problem with, with most project managers. And I say most, that's probably too harsh, right? Um, it's okay. We're both project well, managers. Well, you well, can no, say that. So it's like, well, so so I'll, I'll tell you a personal anecdote, right? So leading agile, um, we just crossed Dunbar's number last week, right? So we're 152 people or something like that, right? And the Dunbar's okay. number basically—I so, don't know, I know what Dunbar's number is. What is it? It's 150. I think it basically is like the um, the number of people that can be in an organization and still have like personal relationships with each other and like know each other by name and kind of got things, it, right? So um, Gary Hamill wrote um, a book that I got introduced to was Future Management, where it was talking about these different case studies of these organizations where every every subgroup within the organization was less than 150. And hopefully I'm not misquoting anything, but um, but anyway, so so what I find right is is as we've gotten bigger, there's a certain class of things where it's really difficult for me to see as a leader. Right? Yeah. So, okay. To see as a leader and and like and we're also as you might imagine we have two primary competing tensions within the organization right so we have to we have to deliver with excellence for our clients right because mm-hmm. that's generate revenue and that's where that's our exchange of value in market but we also have to organization build which means we have to build capabilities for the future right. okay and as you might imagine clients almost always win that fight right because at the end of the day um, that's where the money comes from. Where the money comes from, right? And that's what keeps us afloat, right? all these different things. Yeah. Right? So, so there's a tension organizationally between keeping movement over here, right, on things that need to happen versus, um, versus um, uh, you know, delivering for the client. Sure. And so I've had several requests here recently for people to basically be hired and they, they don't offer them to me or ask for approval and call them project managers, but they're basically project. Managers, right. And so this isn't getting done. So i want to go hire somebody to work with everybody to go do it. Right. Kind of a thing. Right. And, and, and the problem is is when you put people who um, don't have power, right. And I'd say that either positionally or by virtue of expertise or by virtue of understanding, like there's no, there's often not an intellectual value add yeah. process, right? So when you put people like that, um, and you and you attach them to people who are um, trying to solve really difficult problems and uh, with a lot of ambiguity, a lot of uncertainty, and this person is running around just going, um, "Tell me what you're going to do. <laughs> I come back in a week and ask you if you did it." Right?
0: It's so like that know. foghorn leggeron. Get away, boy! You bother me.
1: Yeah, well, that's a little (laughs) bit what happens, right? And so, and so, and so, you ask yourself: You're like, well, what is the value prop of that? Is it really valuable to the people that are building the the product, right? Um, More than likely, it's probably not. um, It's not super helpful to the people building the product, and it, but it has some. It has some uh, added benefit to maybe the leaders of the organization from a reporting perspective or yeah. from a compliance
0: perspective. And that, my, my pitch is you redefine the PMO to be the thing that helps the organization cope with transforming to Agile.
1: So I've worked with some gifted project managers. I, I personally believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think I was a pretty good project manager back in the day. And I think, that, um, I think there is a class of project managers that can add a ton of value to an engagement and help people see um, things that they might be missing, and and I I never had a problem with getting people to come to my meetings and to um, for being effectively engaged. Um, but but you know that requires a certain caliber of individual to be able to contribute at right. that level, right? And and a lot of PMOs are not made up. Of people of that caliber. And, and again, right, nothing against project managers. It's just like they're put in an impossible situation. So i have enough yeah. experience to do the job in a meaningful way, right? So they get on So one of the things that, that I talk about is um, in Agile, project managers went away, but project management didn't. So one of the things that that I tend to think the, the kind of roles that I hunt for project managers, depending upon Their capabilities, interests, career aspirations, that kind of a thing. Is, I mean, Scrum Master tends to be the obvious one, but Scrum Master isn't a project manager, it's a different role. Um, I think a lot of the project management went into product ownership. And so I think a really good product owner has really good project management skills. but <clears throat> mm-hmm. so at the single team level, they could be an individual contributor if they have like background in development or something like that. They also could be if they're at an orchestration layer, like a program or portfolio layer, right? I think there is actually a role for explicit project management in those layers, right? So, so to where you are headed, <clears throat> um, if you have a PMO that's responsible for, for governance, Right. They have to be the ones that are out there helping the organization form teams, probably doing some of the improvement stuff, facilitating those meetings, making sure work's flowing through the system, make sure impediments are re- removed, dependencies are managed, right? All that kind of stuff. Right. And then putting, you know, metrics and making things visible, like all those kinds of things. Okay. Um, so, so, to me, and then, so that's like in the operating model, I think, to your point, I think a PMO can, um, there's something that we build in almost every engagement nowadays called an Agile Transformation Office, which is a set of about seven um, top line capabilities that an organization has to have to do a transformation. Okay. And so, um, they could provide the core or the, the infrastructure for an Agile Transformation Office, that kind of a thing. or. Okay. In the system of continuous improvement on the backside, but there's not a whole lot of easy answers in that because you just don't go go from doing this thing that you've known and it's been an industry standard for 25 years to this thing that we just kind of have to figure out that Mike made up or Mike's yeah. team made up, right? That kind of a thing. <laughs> so, but there, but I think there is a role, right? But but the root of the problem is is that it has to be a value add role. If it's a if it's a um, a process check, if it's a governance role, if it's, a and role it's just depending You know, man, it's just, it's really, it's a really tough reality, right? Because people that can, people that are getting stuff done and they're faced with adversity and they're solving complex, multidimensional problems, like sometimes they don't even know how they're solving them. You know, they're operating in this, this thing where there's so many moving parts. Like it's really difficult to slow it down and put it into a linear plan for people. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, but I think PMOs have a, have a, have a tough road ahead because Because I think in a lot of organizations they're not seen as value add, they're seen as compliance. And if they're compliance in an agile world, then they need to be compliance differently. If they're actually a value add in an agile world, they need to be a value add differently. Right. So I don't know that everybody who's in your existing PMO is probably a good fit for your future PMO. Ah, Right. I mean, that's there's and so some people probably need to be redeployed. That's kind of my bent, right? And I know that's a politically, you know, charged in most organizations kind of conversation because, you know, I'm really a big fan of making sure nobody gets left out, creating safety for people, yeah. making sure people understand a home. And so I think what you have to really do is for an organization that has a PMO, I think you have to figure out um, where each individual in that PMO best fits and what um, where they live in the new world. And I think there's a home for most everybody, Um, but it's probably not doing what you're doing today.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, this was great,
0: man. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's fun. Appreciate you taking the time out for this. Um, if you've got any comments, please let us know. Um, if you have any questions, follow up questions, you can always reach out to Mike on our website. I'll put all his links in the bottom. And, uh, dude, thanks a lot. Appreciate you making time for this this afternoon.
1: You got it. Appreciate it. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Bye.